Hey, this is Fireman Rob. You know, optimal performance isn't something that happens just by accident. I know this for a fact from being a fireman and doing way too many Ironman triathlons and full firefighter gear. But everybody always asks me, what's your secret? I can give you one secret. That's the right stuff, hydration. Hydration is important when it comes to being present in the moment, ready to run into the fires and being capable of showing up every single time at your best. The Right Stuff was created for NASA by NASA for their astronauts. Now it's trusted by professional athletes in Major League Baseball, NBA, NFL, and most of the top tier college sports. It's not an accident to prepare yourself to be great. If you're looking for that next edge, go to therightstuff-usa.com and enter the code FIREMANROB and you'll get 10% off at your checkout. This is an opportunity I wouldn't pass up. I have and still do use The Right Stuff. It's serious hydration for serious athletes, from the weekend warriors to those on the front lines. Make this a part of your habits to be the best you daily. Welcome to Forged in the Fires podcast with Fireman Rob. Being a fireman, father, veteran, husband, world record holder, and Ironman, he brings stories of experience to impact your life while challenging you to live it. What do you want from your life? Why do you want it? Are you willing to go through the challenges to get there? If you have the courage to take that first step, let this podcast be the catalyst to start your fire while you bring the resilience to make it continue to burn. Our lives are made up of moments called right nows. So let's get started. Forged in the Fires podcast with your host, Fireman Rob, begins now. We got the same blood, the same blood, stay by your side, it's right or die, we've got the same blood. All right, welcome back to Forging the Fires podcast. I'm your host, Fireman Rob, today's guest. You know, it, a chick in the cockpit, uh, that is all that I want to start with because it's probably going to make everybody go, what? what is he talking about? But uh, my guest today, she is an amazing pilot. Her story is even more amazing. Erica Armstrong, how are you doing today? Hi, Rob. Good. And, and I want you to know I put on my Minnesota accent for you today. So um... that's how I can understand you better. <laughs> I know exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fantastic. I love it. I, I I've been looking through all of your stuff, and it's it's just absolutely. It's funny when I look on your LinkedIn profile and there's not enough room for all the things that you've done there. There's, there's it almost like they need more characters, right? <laughs> <laughs> Got to keep busy. I, I, Hey, I read yours. I know how many spaces you got on. Yours. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, you know, I want to start off with, I want to start off with one comment that I read and, you know, so give us a kind of actually give us a background of, you know, what you're doing now. Like you're, you're a commercial pilot. You've been an instructor. You're a, you're a speaker. You're an author. What is your life like right now? And what is the major thing that you're wanting to accomplish right now in your life? Yeah, that's uh, I, a you know, we could spend eight, eight hours on that, but I'll, I'll give you the 30 second overview. So I've had this amazing chance to go through the aviation industry from, you know, working the front desk at a little airport at the Flying Cloud Airport in Minnesota, um, up to the captain seat of a commercial airliner. And, um, 
you know, I had a, a drunk driver hit me a couple of years ago and uh, lost my uh, flight medical from it. And, you know, at first I was just, you know, the rug pulled out from underneath you. But, um, you know, I am so grateful that I'm still here. So I've been using this as an opportunity to spend my time to reach back to the next generation and hold that hand out and say, hey, um, you know, Introducing aviation to the to the next generation—that's the the first hurdle. And then once they get once they get into it, helping them have a pathway through the different types of careers that you can choose within the industry. So, I'm using all of this as an opportunity to to help out all those people coming up behind me. Um, and it's such a great time to become a pilot. So, I'm definitely a big aviation nerd and like to uh, share that joy with the next people coming up. I, I love that, and the the fact that you are tran- that you were able to transition from something that you loved. I in an article I saw that you called yourself an accidental pilot. Tell me more about that. That's that's kind of a different term, especially reading your bio. Why did you call yourself an accidental pilot? <laughs> well, so most of my um, coworkers knew from an early age that they wanted to be a pilot. They, you know, they were looking up at the sky, saw the airplane. Right. Um, but growing up in Minnesota, um, when we had career day, we were actually separated. The boys were put in one room, the girls were put in another room, and we were. I always wanted to know what was going on in the in the boys' room. Right. Um, so, you know, I had a really small vision of what my life was going to look like, and um, you know, I think that's changed a lot, but. I was not introduced to aviation. I never knew a woman pilot. The only woman pilot I ever knew of was Amelia Earhart. Right. Um, you know, so I, I just didn't ever have that tipping point in my brain to think, hey, this is something you could do. So my accidental pilot um, pathway, <laughs> I was um, working two jobs at the University of Minnesota, and um, I didn't have enough money to pay my tuition and rent, so I was looking for a third job. And the airport is open 24-7, 365. Right. So there was a position open that had um, – the only reason why I took it is because they had weird hours. So I got this job, and then all of a sudden I was introduced to this great world of business aviation. Started yeah, learning yeah. and the characters. And so in the evening, I would help the line guys study because they're all taking their flying lessons. And so I'm hanging out with these guys. And, you know, it just dawned on me that – these guys are not rocket scientists either. <laughs> so <laughs> once I realized that I these are all attainable things, I took a flight lesson and I was hooked. I, and that's crazy. And then, and then you elevated yourself to the, um, to a commercial. I love that, uh, you know, your book, um, a chick in the cockpit. Um, how did, how did that transition go from when you started to want to fly and what was your mindset to get into that commercial pilot seat. I mean, cause that's not like you said, it's 7% of all airline pilots are women. So it's not something that was like, Hey, this is automatically going to happen to me. Yeah. And you know, the obstacles are the same for men and women. I mean, we, right. if, oh, yeah. If, yeah, no, seriously. Um, you know, if you want to be a woman and you want to be a pilot, you don't have any excuses. I won't let you use any. So I love that. the first obstacle for all of us is financial burden. And the pilots these days have it even worse than I did because now the requirement is up to 1,500 hours before you can go to even a regional airline. Wow. Um, yeah, it, you know, there was kind of no in-between there. But so, you know, that first step. And so I try to encourage all new pilots to start networking early Get yourself on LinkedIn, get yourself on all those platforms so that you can start connecting with other pilots. Because it, for me, 
I got a big bulk of my early hours um, through volunteering at the Red Cross. And it was just because I had met one person who knew somebody else and because <laughs> of that connection, it got me that job. So um, yeah, it's super important to start if you're interested in doing that and to hold on to that mindset. You, you really do have a point where you have to not just be a pilot, but you need to become a pilot. You don't just leave this job oh, at, wow. you know, yeah. when you watch, it's like a fireman too. It's this yeah. whole mindset, right? So you have to live a life always thinking about your career and you have an opportunity to lose your career every six months when you go have your medical done or your check ride and you're constantly training. And um, so you definitely have to do a complete switch of your brain if you want to do this and just forever forward think like a pilot. I, I love that you just said that because it's like you have to think to become, you want to become a pilot. I think that's a, such a powerful mindset for whatever anybody wants to do, like you're saying, what was that defining difference in, in your mindset from going from, you know, just uh, being a pilot to becoming the pilot? Yeah, I can. Oh gosh. There's like a 50 different scenes in my head where you have that moment. <laughs> like, heck yeah. And even, even after 6,000 hours, every time I'd walked on that jet bridge, I, I think to myself like, Oh my God, they're going to take, let me take this, you know, Five hundred million dollars, yeah. right? Yeah, with I all these passengers. It. But no, you'll every pilot will have those moments, especially you know that even that first day when you solo and you look over at that empty seatbelt and you know you're up in <laughs> you know, a couple thousand feet above the ground and you're doing it and um, just holding on to that awe and that um, you know we, we kind of tag ego with a bad connotation, but it's something that is required of all pilots, and I think that's maybe some of the reasons why we don't get women introduced into the industry soon enough. Um, It takes a mindset of that self-confidence and um, the ability is there in women. They just don't realize it. And so that's what I'm trying to do at a younger age is to teach them that um, it is there. You are capable of doing this and getting that um, internal dialogue going on the positive conversation side. And I loved earlier that you were stating the fact that, you know, we all have those hurdles. And I think that's a, it's such a powerful thing to be Erica Armstrong, the pilot over just being a part of something, you know, using the excuses, like you said, how, how, how hard was it for you to get into that mindset? Or was it something that was kind of born into you? Did you, did you know about that? Did, was it something that was ingrained in you already? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I'm adopted, and so adopted, and so the for my whole life, I've always kind of viewed the world and being been interested in knowing what part of you is created, what part of you is born, and watching throughout my entire career that same thought process on what makes a good pilot. You know, what what are those common threads? I mean, there's so many personalities out there, but <laughs> what are those common threads that drive people into aviation? Um, so, you know, growing up, um, my parents divorced and separated really early. And, um, I, you know, I just neither one of them really wanted to raise adopted kids after that. So I kind of lived an independent life oh, at a wow. really young age. And you only know what you know, you, you know, right. that's your only life. So there's nothing to contrast it to. But if I look back now, I think it was actually a good thing. I think that that developed in me this, you know, ability to rely only on myself. If there's nobody else there, you have right. to you think differently, right? So right. if you can't rely on someone else, you instantly go internally and say, okay, well, I have to solve this. So I can take that 
challenge and use it in the cockpit and just say, okay, you know, I, I can't pull over to the side of the road here. I have to fix whatever is going on. Um, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> can't so change the tire in midair. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So you just, you have to deal with it and that's being able to compartmentalize, um, your emotions. You can't, you can't rely on your emotions in the cockpit. You can't be scared. Even for a second, you have to have this mindset that you're just going to fix and deal with whatever emergency is happening. And, uh, that's, uh, that's, uh, you know, that's, you that's don't have crazy. a choice. Yeah, it's crazy when you think about it. Like, you know, I know in firefighting, there's a lot of unknowns and same with when you're a pilot, how, how do you, how do you, like, you're just saying you have to compartmentalize, but like, how do you uh, prepare for those unknowns? Cause I think a lot of people, when they, when they look at um, the firefighting profession or they look at pilots or anything like that, they, they go, gosh, they're, they're always ready for everything. How do they get ready for that? How, how do you prepare yourself as a pilot to be, um, ready for those dynamic situations, maybe that nobody's ever been in before. Yeah, and that's a great question because that is the question for the industry itself. Right. Because we cannot train all the variables. So what the industry is trying to do, especially what I've been trying to do when I was training um, students, is to go back to that very beginning, and it is creating a reflexive mindset. Um, so I teach aircraft systems and propulsion. So. If you have that, a that just went way over my head. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it's fascinating. It's just like the human body, right? But so if you know, it's great to understand how things work, but it's better to understand how things fail and how they affect other systems. Oh, wow! Yeah. So if we can teach pilots in the very beginning to get them to understand on a higher level all the aircraft systems that they're dealing with, so that because we can't train every single emergency, but you have a better understanding of what's actually happening to your airplane when that system's system fails, then there's really nothing you can't handle. So that's over in the last maybe 10, 15 years, the industry has kind of grasped that idea and they're doing more of a competency-based training and assessment. We used right. to train everybody wrote memorization, right? I mean, it was just, <laughs> I'm sitting there going, it's why so do popular, I have to it is. And we even do that to our kids in school. It's just memorization yep. without being able to apply it. So that's one of the exciting things that I'm seeing slowly come through the industry is just doing a little mindset change for the training side. That's so that's I the quote, I wrote this down. I was trying to write it down feverishly. Um, get to, uh, it's great to, it's great to know how it, that works, but better to understand how they fail. That that's a life lesson right there. That's, that's yeah, so right? I, I think I, I think you just made a t-shirt. Um, <laughs> I was I was like that that is the most amazing comment. Um, but you know when you think about I want to transition here to when you wrote your book because I think that's that's always one of those things that's it's kind of that introspection and and figuring out what is my message? What is what do I want to convey to people? What was it when you started that book? What was the main uh, driver behind that book? Yeah, there there was a, a few motivations in there. So first of all, is just to bring forward um, a woman's story about aviation. We have a lot of authors who write about other women, but not there's not a lot of women who write about their experiences going through aviation. So wanted to bring women into the cockpit with me, share some of the joys, some of the hardships. 
Um, and then also to just demonstrate to the world some of the challenges that we're going to all run into and maybe an alternative on how to deal with it. So um, my challenge in this book was having to deal with um, domestic ab abuse. Um, mm. You know, I'm a, a naive Minnesota girl, and so I didn't really understand <laughs> anything don't, about don't. it. <laughs> You're not a naive Minnesota girl. You're a good Minnesota girl. <laughs> you betcha. Um, but I think um, domestic abuse is one of those topics that, oh gosh, nobody likes to talk about. I don't even like talking about it, but it's so right. important that we shine a little bit of spotlight on that um, because part of the realm of that is the shame that comes with it. And when we put a spotlight on that shame, it diminishes it. So abusers out there expect that, their victims are kept quiet. That's part of the formula. So I just knew that this was going to dog me for the rest of my life. And after a couple of years, I'm like, you know what, I just need to just face this and just examine it, understand it so that I know, you know, what that dynamic looks like. And maybe I can help somebody else um, wow. deal with that because there are commonalities among every situation, even though they're so unique so that was part of it was to bring that thread of that storyline in there and how to get your way through one of these challenges. That's amazing. And make you can go to uh, make sure you go to a chick in the cockpit.com. You can find um, the book is in there. Also find more articles on you. Uh, you have an audio book, you have a book club. I mean, there's a lot of amazing things that you're doing. Uh, how do you have time? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're like, there's no time in my life here. <laughs> no, it's a good thing. I, I I love always having something to go do next. So that's, uh, yeah, part of my ADD is <laughs> keep moving. <laughs> I, I love that. No, I want to, I want to switch to what you talked about. You alluded to it earlier. Um, kind of the plan B that you had to have after, um, the accident, but getting hit by a drunk driver and your, your flying career was on hold. What, what was that mindset? Because you had just kind of got to the pinnacle of where you wanted to be. And now that was taken away. What, what was your mindset at that point? Yeah, it, uh, uh, you know, my that mind, side, that side tells me a lot. <laughs> it, does. It, it, it took a lot of processing and a lot of days of ups and downs and just, you know, waking up in the morning going, what the hell, you know, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It works so hard. But as with anything in life, you have to step back and put it back into perspective again. Um, the driver of this accident um, passed away. I am okay. here. I'm here to raise my kids. I mean, you can't imagine once I came to that, you know, realization, how much more gratitude that you have inside your body to, you know, have come through that and you step out and you're like, okay, you know, I can't, there's nothing I can do about it. I can't change right. what has already happened. So what can I do moving forward to not let this be something that derails my life? So, um, every day now when I wake up, I'm just so glad to at least be here. So if you can start your day like that, then gosh, what else can, you know, nothing can go wrong if you bring that mindset with you. So, um, you know, I, I just am trying to use that as an opportunity um, to kind of use my social media to reach back and, and share the joys and education and um, put interesting posts out there, bring some fun posts, talk about some of the challenges in the industry um, and taking my knowledge in training the next generation. I love that. And you have a new book, correct? 
well, I'm working on it. <laughs> You're working. You know, the process of creating a new book is not easy. I, I and but the new book is the art of being a pilot. Is that correct? Correct. I, yes. I love the a Yoda to pass on the wisdom of becoming a pilot. That is, I, I need the first copy. That's what I'm saying right now. I'm I'm putting it out there. I need the first copy. Well, it's a deal. <laughs> it's a deal. All right. So, so now tell yeah, me. Oh, I, it, I've got most of it down. The rest of it, of course, is in my head. I just have not right. gotten through the process. It, yeah, as you know, publishing is just a huge. Um, it's, a, it's a debacle. Process. Yes. But is it I harder have, than land, is it harder than landing a plane or not? <laughs> oh, landing an airplane's easy, but don't tell anybody that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. But I am working on my screenplay. I did have my screenplay optioned um, right before COVID. Um, the studio okay. during COVID dumped everybody's screenplays, but I've been working with another uh, professional screenplay writer, and we're, oh, probably, I don't know, 70% done. It is such oh, a slog. No <laughs> awesome. Are you able to give a hint of to what it is? So I, it's an adaptation of A Chick in the Cockpit, and oh, now I understand why books are different than the movie. You know, I was trying to hold so true to the book, but right. man, it just doesn't quite work. But um, yeah, it, it's getting there. So um, I'm looking forward. I'm, my goal so is at cool. least be pitching by the end of this year. Oh, that's amazing. That is amazing. Now, what, what is the feeling of the legacy that you want to um, really give, not only to just – um, people about your story and about your journey, but what is that legacy that you want to leave behind? My legacy is that I am proudly standing on the shoulder of giants. Um, and I Amazing. still want to see those numbers of women in aviation change. Um, you know, four to 7% in, in commercial aviation. Oh man, that's just, that's just too low. I mean, there's a variety of reasons why I don't believe that you'll ever see a 50-50 split. I think it will always be a little bit more male-dominated. But right. I, I am seeing a change because I, I work back in the business aviation sector now. So I'm seeing a lot more women coming into this. And that's always a good pipeline for the airlines. Right. So it's getting there. Um, it's just uh, very few jobs that I know of will demand you to be away from home so much. But the yeah. industry itself is changing. The schedules are changing. The mutual respect is changing. That's and um, yeah, I mean, when I first started, they would hand out um, food stamp applications, you know, when you <laughs> got your pilot job. Oh, oh my but gosh. It's, it's changed a lot. And um, that's, I think that in itself will draw in more people in general. Um, we are experiencing a, a pretty dire pilot shortage right now. And it's not due to lack of people wanting to be pilots. We are just short of qualified pilots, people who have got the time and experience to fly nice. complex aircraft, and it's always changing, but um, great crazy. time to be a pilot. Yeah. That's crazy. Now, I, I want to take a second because I want to know this, and I'm guessing my audience wants to. I want you to take me through um, when you step into the, uh, into the cockpit on a, on a, um, when you take off. What does that process look like, and what is that feeling that you have? I mean, there's so many instruments in there. Um, I don't even know which one to look at or which – there's so many buttons to push and levers to grab. What is that – What is that? Um, take me kind of through that, that prep in your mind to be able to get up in the air, not just the first time you did it, but after a few times. What, what does that look like in your head? 
Yeah, and that, and that process changes throughout your career too. And it, it's such a cool thing to step into the commercial airline cockpit. And even, you know, being part of it, but also just watching the communication and flow between the crew and the communication with you in the airplane. I I know for me that as I, when I was captain on the 727, I started to really just be able to reflexively tune into the airplane because that airplane is always speaking to you. It has certain vibrations and sounds and you just, you feel when something is off or, um, you know, you just start having a second nature of communicating with that airplane and understanding the aerodynamics and what you're about to do is going to do this and that. And, and then working with, crew. So in the 727, we actually had three pilots up there. Um, Well, the third person could be a mechanic too. So we had the captain, first officer and a flight engineer. And so I started in the flight engineer position. And so I had been flying business aviation for years and flying airplanes. And then I get hired at the airlines and then I don't get to fly. I sit back there and (laughs) I run all the aircraft systems, but it was a great opportunity to watch how crews communicate and the the standardization that we had tried to incorporate into um, the flight decks has changed and made safety so much higher and better. Right. It's so cool to watch it in action, especially during an emergency. Emergencies yeah. never go exactly the way that the checklist says it's going to go to. Are you kidding me? I thought it was always <laughs> the same way. <laughs> you wish. <laughs> you, you train in the co- in the simulator, right? Um, right? But in the real world, gosh, it, it really doesn't go by the way it says. But that these pilots are so well trained. Um, that's what I'm saying. That, that they understand their systems, and so they can modify and think logically and think above and beyond the checklist. Now, oops. Now, when you're going uh, for landing, this never looked easy. Um, you know, anywhere from watching like Top Gun landing on a aircraft carrier to just any kind of landing. Um, what, you know, when you're, when you're looking at the runway, do you ever have any self-doubt? Is there ever any doubt like, oh my gosh, I don't know where this is coming from. If the wind's coming from this angle, am I coming in the right, right thing? Or is it always, this is what I have to do. I'm going to get down no matter what. Yeah, the second part. <laughs> it really good, good. is. Uh, well, it's, it's funny because, I mean, obviously, like it's the same in firefighting. It's like we always have a little level of fear because it keeps you on your toes. But it's like, do you, is it the same kind of thing? Does it, when you go into any kind of landing area, because I know in Denver, it's, it's a, that's a rough landing. Yeah, Denver is actually one of the, strangely, one of the more challenging ones for commercial airlines. Um, when I was flying in business aviation, I would regularly fly into Telluride and Aspen and Vail and all those challenging mountain airports. Um, but once again, from the pilot mindset, you don't think twice. I mean, for a passenger sitting in the back, you're watching this airplane rock and roll and ride up and down, and you're thinking, how are they going to get this on the runway? Yeah. Is there anybody you don't in there? Do that. Exactly. <laughs> As a pilot, you don't see that. You are looking out at your focus and your goal. And, um, you know, part of actually the sequence of landing is if this profile is not right, you go around. And that's actually something that's that's been really hard for our industry to train pilots to do is the the tendency is to, you know, I got this. I'm going to make it, you know, work and I'm going to land this thing. 
Um, so that's something we all have to work on is, uh, you know, if it's not right, you have to admit it and go around and try it again. Um, but that's um, so huge. Yeah, exactly. Have you, have you had to do that? Ever? Oh, sure. Oh, I've, yep. And so I just had a student pilot email me the other day and he was thinking about quitting because he kept pounding the landings in over and over again. And I, you know, I told him throughout your entire career, you're still going to have the occasional bad landing and you're going to lay awake at night going, why did that happen? <laughs> and you will go through every fine detail and you'll figure out how not to do that again, but then you'll find another way to land badly. But you have to learn to take that moment of, you know, uh, duh, keep it within the circle <laughs> of safety and analyze it to make sure you understand why it happened. So, so transitioning from being in that cockpit seat to now being an instructor, what is what does that feel like? Because now you're instilling that next level. Like you were saying, there's a lot of, there's changes. Um, how do you, how are you able to, uh, deliver that message, that new change to these uh, new pilots. Yeah, it's it's so much fun. And in, in my classes at the university, I actually had returning people from the military that had already put in maybe 15, 20 years in, in a military branch, oh, wow. and then they wanted to come back and learn how to fly. So I love having my 17-year-old students sitting next to my 52-year-old student. <laughs> <laughs> but that is the fun part is to understand how each person learns and right. respecting that and teaching everybody how they themselves learn. So I think in any industry, even in the firefighting industry, it's important for everybody to understand their own startle reflex and yeah. how to recognize it and how to shake out of it. So before you even learn about the airplane or rules and regulations, I teach my students about themselves. I want them to pay attention to themselves, acknowledge in your own life, like even if somebody cuts you off on the highway or you come close to hitting somebody, how is your body feeling? How are you reacting to that? How long does it take you to get out of that moment? We tend to always get tunnel vision when we're uh, startled any kind anytime the emergency bells start going off your human reflex is to you know narrow down that vision but right. it, that's the moment where we need full broad vision so i think doing some little bit of even just a, an hour of talking to pilots about that will help set the standard for safety in the future that's so that's such good advice. I love that. Make sure you go to a chick in the cockpit.com. You can find the audiobook, the book club. Make sure to have her come as a speaker and also the book and the new book are in there too. Uh Erica, it's been such a pleasure. I end all podcasts the same way. Are you ready for your three questions? Okay, I'm ready. Oh, that didn't sound confident. Come on. It sounded like you're going to land a plane on, on an aircraft carrier here. Give me a um, check. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. All right. So the first question for you, if you could go back to your 18-year-old self, what is one piece of advice that you give yourself? Don't take my advice. <laughs> I have not heard that one, and I want to keep that. That's great. I love I had one. I had one person tell uh, say they said um, I would. I would ask myself, "Why are you here?" Ooh, I like that. <laughs> that, that was, it's kind of similar, but I, I like that. Don't don't. I like that. All right. So the second question is: is everybody's going through challenges and struggles in their life? If if you had to give them two pieces of advice, 
two habits that they could incorporate into their life right now, what would that be so that they continue to move forward? The first one is to take a deep breath. Before any emergency that I've had in the cockpit, I have had to make myself take a deep breath and then proceed. If you take that one moment, it will change everything that happens next. And I know that sounds so minor, but it is that one moment and it ties back into that startle reflex or anything else is that at that moment you need to take in all the information. And when you can do that and not focus on just the problem, you'll be able to find a way through whatever the challenge is. Love that. Love that. All right. This last question is going to be pretty exciting because I have no idea who you're going to pick. So if you could have uh, coffee at a firehouse table with three individuals, they can be deceased or alive. Um, who would they be and why? And at a firehouse table, you can ask them anything and, and it has to be answered. Who would oh, those goodness. people be? Oh, that's so great. Um, the first one is I would want back my grandpa um, oh, to show cool. him and tell him where I got. He used to own a gas station in Minnesota and I didn't realize it at the time, but I used to hang out with him on like on a Sunday and he would go give me a grape <laughs> crush out of the machine, but he would also take me into and under the cars oh, and awesome. show me what was going on and teach me these things. And I think it just sparked in me a little curiosity about mechanics and, um, you know, that just that idea of how things work and how cool that is. I mean, think about yeah. it, a piston engine, how cool that really is. And we take it for granted. So oh, I would love friend. to just, just to communicate, have a conversation with him, just to thank him and just show him because he would just freak out to know that I ever flew a commercial airliner. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, gosh, the second one, I'm sorry, but I would have to, I would have to track down Amelia and say, okay, honey, what happened? That'd be awesome. <laughs> and, and to remind everyone that she had a male navigator. So, you know, it wasn't necessarily uh, her. <laughs> see, and, and and you'd you'd like to remind her that you were in a larger plane than she was, right? Oh my gosh, with a GPS, yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. exactly. I can't believe. And if it, I mean, I used, I've flown overseas, and you look down on that ocean and just the vastness of it. Um, I can't even uh, imagine. Yeah, and trying to navigate with what they had back then, oh, I'm just amazed. Truly, um, navigating with stars and celestial navigation—it's just an amazing thing. Wow. Um, Oh my gosh. And a third person. Oh, there's so many. I truly, I, I, I can't think of another th- a third person at the moment. I'm really awake at night going, okay, now I think I can think of a hundred people. You're, 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 yeah. I was going to say, you're going to, you're going to email me, Rob, I've got a few more. Can we redo this last part here? <laughs> add this on. <laughs> add this on. Add this. On. Those are two good people. I like that. I like that. That'd be a good. That'd be a good. I'll, I'll, I'll come in there and I'll mediate. How about that? No, perfect. I love it. There we go. I love it. I love it. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on today. Make sure you go to a chick in the cockpit.com to find out more. Erica, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And I love that these opportunities are out here so we can kind of get this message out to a whole group of people that maybe would never have heard about aviation. So thank you for doing this. No problem. All right. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening and supporting the Forged in the Fires podcast with Fireman Rob. 
Remember, don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast and please share this episode with a friend or family. To find out more about Fireman Rob or reach out about a question, go to www.firemanrob.com. Until next time, live your life forged in the fires.